Welcome to the Tribe of Testimonies. Here you will find conversations with faithful Native American members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, sharing their stories and their love of the Savior. My name's Andrea Hales. I'm Navajo, and I'm glad that you've decided to come and join us today. My guest today is Jolene Begay. Uh, I just love this lady. She's so great. Um... And I knew she was going to, I knew kind of some of the story that I wanted to hear from her, but I didn't know the stories. Like, I just knew a bird's eye view. And so hearing her talk about how her faith moved through these stories, her life stories, it's so great. Um, One day she called me out of the blue and uh, she's just like, I'm so grateful for this podcast because I get to hear a lot of my friends or family and, and hear how the gospel, how they live the gospel and how their faith in, in Christ makes a difference in their lives. And I'm like, and when she said that, I was like, yeah, yeah, that is the purpose of this podcast. And so I'm glad that I can hear how her life has been moved by the gospel and her faith. And I really hope that you enjoy this conversation because she's just wonderful and so full of faith. Here she is, Jolene. I'm on the phone tonight with Jolene Begay. Um, she is one of the few Navajos that I kind of grew up with. Um, and, and Jolene is one of the most beautiful people in the whole history of the world. I'm not even kidding. Like, I've always thought that about you. I don't, I don't think I've ever told you that, but I really think that about you. Um, would you please introduce yourself in your tribal way as much as possible? If it's in your language, great. If it's not, that's fine. Not everybody speaks their language, and some languages are dead. Okay. Yat esh Jolene Begay yinishya tina janinishle tadiskizni vashishching kiani deshache and de bethlejen deshanale. Hi, I'm Jolene Begay. My clans in English are um, Tsunajini is Black Streak Wood people, Tsetiskijni is Rock Gap, and Kiaani is Towering House, and Debethlejin is Black Sheep. Cool. And and we're related because of that, because we're both Tsunajini. But I don't I don't remember how that me like what does that make us? Like are you my well, auntie or what? I think called? I'm your mom because I'm older than you, but I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm your mom. Yeah, I, I don't remember how that works, but well, yes. <laughs> I've always felt older sister, sister to you more than a mom. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> we can just say that. <laughs> um, Jolene, would you share something that you love about your heritage as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ? It can be pretty much anything, a story, a celebration, a way of life, a ceremony. What do you love about your heritage? Well... There's so much I honestly love. The thing that comes to mind first is prayer. Um, I was taught at a young age to pray to, to pray to the Lord. And um, at that time, my parents had been 
on the um, placement program. And um, so they had to learn not only English and a new culture, but they were also trying to learn the gospel. Um, so they were um, baptized, but as you know, if you're trying to do all those things, you're not going to know the intricate parts of the religion. So, but for, so even when they had me, they were young, and they were trying to figure out as a young couple how to live their lives. But from very very young age, my mom had taught me to pray, and I have tried to do that on my own. But what what I love is, have you ever heard a grandmother, a native grandmother pray? I We would be there like 15 minutes while my grandmother would speak. And she, she spoke Navajo so we could hear all the cousins, like everybody. And then if you hear of my parents growing up, everything was prayer. You, you prayed in thankfulness. You prayed before a journey. You prayed when you got somewhere. You prayed for people. Like the prayer has has been an intricate part of not only native culture but christian culture altogether and it is my saving grace as a human it's my saving grace as a parent and um i just wouldn't have this walk that i walk well enough if i didn't have prayer i would be more lost than anything so I love that it, there's so many ways that our culture and the gospel align wonderfully and prayer prayer is one. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, it never gets old for me to hear people talking about prayer because it is this connection to God. It's a direct connection to God. And I, I have prayed and thanked Heavenly Father for prayer before because, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. there's so many different ways you can use it like and you just yeah. listed a couple and i love that mm -hmm. thank mm -hmm. you well i well it even reminds me sometimes people get caught up in our our nativeness and they forget the fact that they believe it too sometimes i'll give you an example one time so when i was young i grew up kind of in town but then in my senior year my parents moved out of town and they bought like a a huge farm 170 acres and this farm um didn't always produce well the land and then my parent the the people in town we were at church my dad was there and they noticed that he was growing some good hay on that land and they're like joe what are you doing joe what's going on what what and he was like i prayed and he was in church <laughs> he's like they're like no no what are you doing he goes i knelt down and i prayed in my field that it would produce for my family for the cow he goes i prayed on my i prayed for the land and he they're like no really what like what fertilizer and he was like guys it says in our scriptures <laughs> the ones we both believe in kneel and pray and pray for the crops pray you know and i i remember thinking we we sometimes they, we get caught up in other stuff and we forget like kneel down talk to the lord even to pray for like the ground and so that's actually one thing me and my kids every do every year in our little garden is we always kneel down and pray for the earth pray for our garden and then I do my best to like keep my end of the bargain, you know, make sure they don't die, water them, do all the things. But that people will say, you do, natives do that. And I'll say, Christians do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Christians 
believe that too. And they're like, why don't we go? You read the Book of Mormon. You believe that too. <laughs> and but I feel like in some ways that comes a lot natural, uh, more natural to natives, um, because it's what you've always done. And sometimes maybe there's a disconnect between the people in the Book of Mormon and you now. That's the only thing I think of. And so a lot of times I'll be like, you believe that too. No, not just Navajos, not my Navajo side. It's our Christian side as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. So like I mentioned before, Jolene and I grew up in the same area. Like she was in one town and I was 10 miles away in a different town, but we went to the same junior high and high school. Jolene was a couple years older than I am, um, but um, I always watched her and saw how much joy you walked through life with. And I, I've always admired that about you. Um, so what, tell us about, I know everything in your life hasn't been joyful, but you have no. chosen, you have chosen joy instead of, instead of um, pain and, and, uh, yeah. and wallowing, like you have chosen mm-hmm. differently than you could have. So Tell us, I would like it if you would tell us some of that. That would be, I think that would be helpful to some people to listen to. Yeah, well, I'll, I can talk about, uh, I, one, because I don't want to set expectations higher than people can reach at times. Not that I'm always joyful, but I feel like I have a blessing to be joyful. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of your gifts of the spirit. Yeah, and I feel like. And I don't ever want that to, I don't want people to see that and if, and think, oh, that's what we're all like. Because I also don't know um, quite closely what it means to, you try your best, you can't reach joy, even though you're trying, you know? So I don't want anyone to compare that. Because I honestly think it's a little bit of a blessing. I actually hate stress. I hate it. And I think it's a blessing that I don't stress and I can process these things. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can say jovial, but I, 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 as I've, so I've, my background education wise at BYU, I changed my major five times, but in that, in that process, I took psychology. I was a sociology major. My, my, I finally, a social worker major like all sorts of like human stuff and then I ended up graduating with a um, degree in in um, elementary education with a minor in autism and with that came a lot of behavior human behavior classes and that's where I realized some of the things that they teach you to be happy my brain already does so no one so for instance let's see I was in one of my classes and um, it's like a human and mind health kind of class. And the teacher is like, okay, picture this. You're driving down the freeway and you're going, doing your speed limit. You're going great. And someone pulls in front of you really fast and you have to slam on your brakes. What do you think? And I said, oh, I think they must have not seen me or they accidentally dropped something or, you know, like it was a... And he was like, no, what do you really think? I was like, no, really, I have done that. Well, you know how, like, you may look in both mirrors, but there's the sun and you miss a car or something? Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I've done that. And he was like, you don't do that. (laughs) He's like, you're mad. 
He's like, you're telling the wrong answer. And you're you're, like, you're no. telling my lesson. And then a friend of mine in class was like, no, she, her brain thinks like that. And um, he said, really? Because he just hadn't known, got to know me yet. But at, even as the class went on, he said, that's what you do in a situation like that. In order to keep your joy, to keep your peace, instead of being angry, give them some grace. Like, what could be going on with them? Or... Instead of thinking, I own the road, they did everything to me, take a chance to be like, maybe something's going on with them and they didn't mean to wreck my day, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when he was saying all those things, I was like, oh, my brain naturally does that already. Um, I already, uh, if something, I, I, I guess it could be an accident, I guess. And I'm like, oh, they didn't mean to. Or even if they did, I could say, I will think to myself, oh, they had a bad day. And, um, by further like the road rage thing one time my girls they were little and they had um i had a friend of mine pick them up from i couldn't get there from class in time to pick them up but she could pick them up and bring them to my home the same time i was getting home from class so um she would pick them up and drive them home and she dropped them off and my, i was like how was school and the girls were like oh she yelled at somebody and i was like what and they're like, they're like, yeah, we don't know what happened, but she was honking her horn and yelling at people. <laughs> but they were like, why would she react that way? And I was like, I think that's pretty normal. But they were like, why was she doing that? But they were like a little like, oh my gosh. Uh, so I don't remember what exactly happened, but they're like, she was so mad. But so I, I feel like my brain has set up those things and I do practice them and I can tell uh, I do try to teach that to my kids. I want them to give people some grace. Um, I'm not always perfect. People aren't always perfect. So mistakes can happen. They can happen at the grocery store. They can happen with your order. They can happen on the road, um, whatever it is. And it helps me keep my peace. And it helps me, I, in the smallest way possible, feel a little closer to them because I'm giving them some grace. Does that, mm -hmm. like, it's a slight service in their life. Instead of putting hate towards them, I'm putting some empathy and love towards them, even though we don't know each other. We never, you know, kind of thing. Um, hopefully that human connection is a tiny bit there instead of marred in some way. So it's helpful for me to think of people in that way as well yeah going back even before even before you like um your your uh, super fan told me that she wants you to tell about your um grandmother your grandparents grandmother's conversion I'll tell you a little bit about them, but when it comes to my grandfather's conversion I've never told him his story unless he allows me does that make sense <laughs> So if he wants me to, I will. But I'll give you some information about him. Um, my dad's father, he was a medicine man, and there's different types of medicine men, which I didn't know. But he was a medicine man who was over the Homan family. And so um, if you needed a healing of any type, if you, if you needed a blessing on your flocks or your fields or your home or um if you had been cursed in some way or if you anything like that if you need a physical healing 
mental spiritual healing he was the man to take care of that and people would come to him for that and um and then my grandmother my nulla she she was what you call a hand trembler hand trembler and she would you would come to her and she would interpret your dreams and um and she would just help people help them understand what was going on what their dreams were meaning i don't know very more any more than really that and um so you know in a community those those are the things people need and look forward to so people knew them and looked up to them and at that time in my grandparents life oh i can tell the story um it at that time in my grandparents life my dad is the youngest of 11 and so my grandparents by the time my dad went on placement all of the older children were on placement. I don't know if every single one of them, but majority. I don't know about the oldest ones, if they did or not. I don't remember. Um, but they were on placement, and they had come home and would talk to my grandparents about the Mormon church. Um, they would see missionaries around, um, things like that. And um, But he had no no reason to because he had a calling he had a calling to help those around and he took it serious and it was a great service and it was to be taken reverently and he treated it like that and um one time he was someone had come to the hogan to heal to get a healing a physical healing and um my grandfather at the time the missionaries also came and out of politeness my grandfather said i hear that you two men have a power to heal if you would like to you may try to heal this man just out of respect and so they gave him a, a priesthood blessing to heal him and my my grandfather and my grandmother were obviously spiritually people. They tried to live their life in the best way possible. And in that moment, during the peace of blessing, my grandfather felt the spirit. And he said, I've never felt a power like that. I don't have a power like that. And then he asked the missionaries to come and teach him. And because he was used to doing things in a way, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, and you take everything and you learn each step. Um, my dad tells the story about he was old. I don't even want to guess the age. I, maybe 70s. He was an old gentleman at this time. And he wanted, he could have just been baptized and they ended up joining the church. <laughs> I always give that. They joined the church. Uh, both my parents did. And they both stopped doing their medicine ways. Um, my grandmother no longer was a hand trembler, but she was always great with her prayers. And she was always very spiritually insightful. And my grandfather was no longer a medicine man, but he was always a healer. And he was always someone that was there when needed and still could give advice. He just functioned in a different way. And, um, but my dad said he'd had to do everything step by step. He could have been baptized and just jumped up to, you know, and the priest to be like a Melchizedek priesthood holder. But he said, no, I want to do everything. I want to go through each step. 
So he would be seen there on Sunday passing the sacrament with all the little, is it deacons? Yeah. I'm a house of women and I teach young women. I do not know the steps. <laughs> I should know. <laughs> the deacons, right? And then the priest blessed it. So he took his time and he would just hobble along and pass the sacrament with the deacons he would go to class with the deacons and then he would go up until he was blessing like he wanted to do each and every step um he needed to learn so he actually passed when i was three so my 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 memories of him are ones that people have told me but i'll tell you something special i served a mission in nashville tennessee um, <laughs> I actually really love music and I wanted to learn a new language and I, I put on my mission papers that I knew a little bit Swahili just so maybe I could go to Africa. <laughs> and my, my little bit of Swahili was that my, um, cousin had gone to, um, Africa and he told me how to say hello. And I was like, dude, Lord, I am not lying. I do know some Swahili. I even put on there that I'm fine living outdoors. I don't need electricity or running water. Like I put everything in the world to get me out of the United States of America. And I wanted to be someplace I'd never been and didn't know a soul. And the Lord sent me to Nashville, Tennessee. And I had just been there the year before for school. And I was like, gosh, been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the first area I was in, one of my old bishopric, one of my old bishopric members from BYU, um, one of the bishopric members, I can't even remember their name because I can't think right now. But they're the in the multicultural ward. They're um, one of the counselors in the 144th ward. They that they are originally from Tennessee. They moved back to Tennessee, and when I got there, they were there in that ward. My roommates family was in that same ward and then different roommates cousins were in that same ward <laughs> i was like holy i am you're just plucking me up from what i know and putting me back down with what i know and there's still country music i'm not a fan of country music <laughs> and i was like i know i have grown up on this <laughs> When I'm a hip hop girl at heart, but we come from country music land, I was ready for some anything. I the elders in my district went to Jamaica, and I was like, I bet they have the best music on their bus. Well, I was listening Shania Twain in the grocery store. Anyways, but on my mission, which was fantastic and wonderful, I could feel my grandpa just trudging along with me. I just knew he was there and I could feel him walking along and I just knew he wanted to go because he loved to preach the gospel. He loved to bring people closer to divinity. Um, he had done that his entire life and, but he never got to serve a mission. And I thought, Oh, we're going, we're doing this. He's with me. I had four, four um, baptisms on my mission. And each one of them, my grandpa said I could tell the his conversion story. And the spirit came in, and it wasn't me. Test, like, his spirit testified of his own story. So I joke that I didn't get a single baptism on my mission. My grandpa did. <laughs> I just got to be there. <laughs> 
And um, and my my brother Josh had the same thing. He said he was he was walking in, in the streets of Brazil, and he could just feel his grandpa. And every once in a while, he'd look back to see if he was there. He couldn't see him, but he was there with him. And he said I could feel him talking like there's a excitement, there's a something that happens, and it was more than me. So he got to go on our on our missions with us, and um, I I was thankful for that. So anyways, he, he has been an integral part of our lives since then, and his conversion has converted others. Does that make sense? Yeah. His, so even beyond the grave, his um, love for the gospel peeks through. And, you know, that's what you hope for your life. You hope that when you... When you pass, people will say, well, that's a woman of God, or that was a person that could make people feel God in their presence, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I, I appreciate that legacy, even though he was a, an official member for not a large majority of his life, but he was a man who was close to, he could he could wield the power of the Lord. He could do lots of things because he lived his life that way. Um, I, growing up, I, so I could speak Navajo when I was little, you know? So me and my Nelly would talk. I don't really speak Navajo now. And you could probably talk with, you could probably tell with my bad accent. Um, if you don't speak Navajo very well, you're just like, oh, she sounds great. But if you do, you're like, oh, what? <laughs> I I get the native word. I've had older ladies be like, "Why do you speak Navajo like that?" And I'm like, <laughs> no, no." Or they'll say, "Why do your kids speak Navajo like that?" And I'm like, "Cause I speak. I I just have an English accent now when I speak." Um, but I have memories of me and Manelli talking and having conversations. And she would tell me that I, I am born of holy people. So in my brain, I will tell my kids, you are born of holy people. You are to walk this earth like holy people. And when people meet you, they need to feel it. It's not something you say, hey, I'm a holy person to them. <laughs> they, they need to know of how you run your life, that you come from holy people. It's in your legacy. It's in your DNA. I know people will talk about um, generational trauma. And I always say, if you believe in generational trauma, then you need to leave room for generational strengths. Mm -hmm. We come from strong, fervent people. We've come from people on, on the hottest day with not much in their belly, tired, will still have the best belly laugh of their life. Like that's in our that's in our DNA. We can always joke and laugh and always take time for prayer and reverence. That's in our DNA. The ability to come together and help each other, that's in our DNA. The ability to keep working when you don't think you can do it anymore, that's in our DNA. So make sure you leave or claim it. Claim those blessings, claim those strengths. And let your ancestors know you appreciate them for those things that kept keep you going and kept them going. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. So you um, 
Once upon a time, you had a baby with the most hair I've ever seen on a baby in the history of the world. And and you have two beautiful girls and you're raising them solo as far as like in your individual household, but you have family and friends. But how 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 is that um how has that affected your faith in Jesus Christ? Has it strengthened it? Has it like has it made you wonder like tell me about how being a single mother has has affected you well i i um i love my ex-husband um he and i um we had a great time he was a new member of the church and so when we he was interesting i i actually met him online um, I was, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I was on MySpace and people knew me on MySpace. Oh, that sounds dumb. But like people would know in the little native MySpace community who I was because I had a job at that time where I was a front front receptionist for a company and I had no duties but to show people which door to go to and answer the phone. So all I did all day long was chat. So my face was cool. <laughs> And I I met tons of great MySpace natives, and we all had a little community. Well, one little chat room was like about beading, and I wanted to bead my dad a hat. But I really am not a beater. Like, on one side of my family, there are silversmiths. On one side, they were rug makers. No one beaded. And so I was trying to do it, and I got stuck with what kind of needle, because I was trying to just get anything from, like, Joanne's fabric because I had no idea and um, so I put in there hey what do I need for a needle and a few people like said oh get this get this get this and then one guy gave me his number and said call me if you get confused and so I put it in my phone I didn't even know the person's name and what so I was at the thing and I couldn't find what people wanted um, they wanted sharps and I didn't know what that was. And then they wanted, I don't even know what it's called, the little round needle, like a curved one. And I couldn't find it. And I was in the sewing, the sewing machine section, which was the wrong section. I had no idea. I'm, I'm not very, I don't know how to sew either. I do, but I don't like it's, I don't know the names of things. So I called that guy or that person, I don't even know it was a guy. And I said, hey, I'm here, I can't find this. And he helped me find it. And then he asked me what it was for. I was like, for a hat. And then that's it, we didn't talk again. So three months later, he messaged back and said, hey, how's that hat going? And I was like, what hat? Cause I had already abandoned <laughs> the whole thing. Like that was so three months ago. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, the hat for your dad. And I was like, what? He goes, you called me. And I was like, oh like like oh yeah and he's like how's that going and I was like I should try it again he goes do you know where it's at I'm like yeah he goes okay I'm gonna call you in two weeks and I said okay call me in two weeks and then at some point he had um like added me as a friend on face and myspace and then my roommates saw this new guy on there and they're like who's that I'm like oh and I told him remember I was doing that and I called somebody that was the person and he didn't have a face like a picture <laughs> and so he was really nice and my friends added him 
even though they couldn't see him or anything. They just added them because <laughs> they wanted people to be friends with. And then one of my friends said, she was like, oh, hey, you're that guy that helped Joe, blah, blah, blah. And then he chatted back, and then she started telling him about her boyfriend problems. I don't She's an oversharer. <laughs> And he answered back. And then all of my roommates started chatting him. And they he would chat back to all of them. And they would they're like, Oh, that guy, he's totally like, you know, he's cool, Joe. And I was like, he seems cool or whatever. I wasn't talking to him. And then he put a, he put a picture up and they were like, You have got to see what he looks like. And I was like, I don't really care what he looks like. <laughs> and they're like, No, Joe, you have got and he was this. <laughs> My my aunt Susie saw, said, "Oh, when she met him, she's like, oh, you're you're going to marry one of those dancing with the wolves natives. <laughs> yes, he had long hair and a braid, <laughs> and this like big native nose, whatever. And she was like, Joe's marrying one of those dance like dances of the wolves natives. Anyways, I admit, and I thought he was handsome, but like I we don't know him." Anyways, so my one roommate was like, um, you have his number, let's call him, because she had a problem. So she called him, and then they <laughs> called him, then everyone's talking to him, and then, and I would talk here and there, but I wasn't, it was just, you know, there was a lot of people in front of me that I wasn't thinking of anything else, you know? And so um, that made it sound like I had tons of men in front of me. I didn't. <laughs> I just, just like out of sight, out of mind thing. And then my roommate said, hey, you're on break from college. You should come visit. And I freaked out. I was like, you just invited a stranger? And and she said, Joseph is not a stranger. <laughs> and so he came, he drove out from Northern California. He stayed with our guy friends across the street. And all of us, like our guy friends and my roommates, we all hung out that weekend. And it was fun. It was fun. He, oh, before this. Oh, oh, I skipped a whole part. He had started meeting he wasn't meeting with missionaries but he was trying to find him a church and so he had started going to the mormon church so he would also ask us about mormon church questions but no one ever talked to them no one i mean he was a guy that went there in jeans and boots and a nice shirt but he did you know how you can tell someone's not quite a member mm -hmm. <laughs> i was like he didn't look like one but he went for months and months and then even while he started coming out, so he started asking us all about the Mormon church. And he, at the time he was smoking and I was like, oh, he's a smoker. I don't, guys, I don't really know. You invited a smoker to visit our house. <laughs> and, um, but they're like, Joe, he, he goes to church. I'm like, I know he goes to church. Um, but he started coming out more and more and we'd all hang out more and more. And I just started liking him and he stopped smoking. He was, and I would say, we need to get to missionaries. We need to get to missionaries. And then he was like, Joe, I want you to come out here. And so I went and I just, I loved his reverence. I loved, he, um, I loved his ability to want to do what's right. I I want to do what's right, but I'm also a little bit irreverent, I guess, you know, 
I don't know, a little bit too silly at times, but he wanted to always do things just right. And he had a Book of Mormon that he had found at like a, like at a, like a thrift store. So it was like this old beaded up Book of Mormon, but he would take it to class and do it and he'd read it after and he'd still never seen the missionaries. And so one one weekend while I was out visiting, we had gone to church and he did. He looked just, you know how when people come who aren't members of our church, but go to like a funeral at our church and they're in like Wranglers and boots and the night shirt, you know, but they're not quite with a tie. You, you're like, you're, you're, you're not quite in our religion. He looked like that. And I was like, how are people like he would, people knew he was in class. I just didn't understand how no one had sent the missionaries. And we, we were there and I saw the missionaries and I went to grab them. And I said, I need to introduce you to someone. And the elder pretty literally said, sister, there's somewhere I need to be. And he left. <laughs> and I was like, what is, what is that? I kind of like this guy. Can you please come teach him? <laughs> and I could not get the missionaries there. So after a year of this, me going back and forth, him coming to visit, um, I decided I needed to find out if he was, we're too far away for me to see if he was someone I should marry. I, on a weekend, you can act great for a weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I, um, so I decided to move out to Sacramento, not Sacramento, Redlands, California. So I moved out there, had me a little place and we would hang out a lot more. And then, um, then I finally got to missions. And you should have seen those missionaries' faces when they came to do a first discussion. And he had brought his scriptures from the thrift store and started asking them about stuff they learned in church that last week. They're like, why are we even here? (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, how long have you been going to church? He's like, almost like over a year now, you know? He's like, I've been going to church for a while, so... Uh, and anyways, we ended up getting married, but he wasn't, he was a newly baptized person. So we got married civilly. And then later on, we went and got sealed in the temple. Um, so I married a man of God, but I also knew he hadn't lived his life like that his entire life. That was the whole reason I told you that story. Just to let you know that he was a man of God, but he had had a whole life of not living that way before that. And so when we got married, things were great. We had a great marriage, and um, he always wanted to go live in Utah. And I'd always be like, why? And he goes, Joe, it's a place full of Mormons. And in my head, I was like, Mormons are – I, I told him, yes, it's a place full of Mormons. But, you know, in any place you go, there's good, there's bad, there's good, nice people, mean people, crooked people. I go, but in Utah, they're all Mormon, and there's all <laughs> – there's all those personalities. He thought it was like a land of Zion. And I was like, no, people are still people. But because we're all growing and learning, no one's perfect. Um, He just had this grand idea of what Utah was. And we had a great life. Um, we lived in northern Arizona for a long time. And then we finally got to move to Utah. And then he, the job he came out for, 
ended up being the job that they had promised. They wanted him to start way lower. And so he didn't take the job. We had savings. We were so good. We had savings. And I said, no worry, we'll live off our savings. And um, it took over a year for him to find a job. Mm. Our life was so hard. Um, but before all this happened, we ended up getting a place and having rent. And I helped out with a storage unit that Valina's, my sister's father-in-law owned. And there was one night we had two little girls and things were a little uncertain. And we, we had, we started to blow through our savings and I was in bed at night and, um, I was praying and I remember the room went quiet and the Lord said, your precious girls need the best upbringing ever. So I, he literally said, I'm going to put your husband through the refiner's fire. And it's going to make him or it's going to break him. But you're going to be okay. And then I got up from that prayer and I, I literally said out loud, what do you mean break him? What does that mean? Well, that next year I got to see what that meant. We had so much pressures of money and job. Like he used to be an assistant manager for a position. And at one time, just to make money, he was like stuffing taquitos in a factory, you know. Um, we, he was under so much pressure. I was under a lot of pressure trying to raise our girls. I had gone back to school. He was in school and there was just not enough. And, um, he started smoking and then I was like, my heart sank, but I know that he had used to do it and I didn't marry a perfect man. And, but his guilt got to him. And he, I can't go to church while I'm smoking. I got to quit first. And I was like, no, Go, you go to church. Church isn't full of perfect people. Just go. But he he had to do it right. So he stopped going to church. He's like, I'll read my scriptures at home, but I don't need to be there until I can quit smoking. And then things just fell apart from there. And it just kept getting worse. And his the load on him kept his face was getting harder and harder. And his the stress on him got harder and harder. And here he has a he in his family they have genes for depression and things and it got him so bad and then here's me who could laugh and giggle with our kids in the midst of our problems which it can be irritating <laughs> um, but i can naturally just be happy and um our marriage ended up disintegrating and I ha had to ask him to leave and there was it was by the time I asked him to leave it was a relief before then there was heartbreak that happened and I was mad one time because I thought the least you can do is come to church you know even if you don't whatever just come to church I I was kind of mad at the I was mad I was telling the Lord how mad I was at him because I felt like he could have still pushed, you know. And then I had one whole day where I could not be happy. Uh, there was, I had a weight on my life, a weight on my shoulders. There was nothing that I could do to bring me joy. And that night the Lord was like, this is how your husband has felt for months. He did the best he can. 
but he wasn't able to to be all there for you and your girls and because your girls need the best possible he had to he couldn't make it he's still wonderful and a great person but he couldn't make it for them and we ended our we ended our marriage and um it was hard (laughs) but so many miracles came along the way um so many miracles i um the Lord has taken care of me. I've had to use faith. I oftentimes wouldn't know how to pay things and things would just come in. Um, the One of the first miracles is I'd asked him to leave and he ended up kind of having a little mental breakdown and he was gone. He we, he went missing for like six months. No one knew who where he was and we couldn't get a hold of him. I didn't have a car. A friend of mine actually gave us the car and sometimes it would only work in reverse. (laughs) (laughs) But when I always told my friend, when I really needed it, it would go forward. But there are so many times I reversed home from work. (laughs) Or reversed home from church. (laughs) But that, so after we, after he left, we, I didn't have a job. I was working for this this storage unit and I was like I've got to support my family I have got rent I've got all, I, I've got what do I do so I went to the storage unit guy and I was like let me take over the whole storage unit and I said instead of paying me what you're paying me now how about I get a percentage of what the income of the storage unit makes we'll pay my rent first with that and if there's anything extra I'll live off of that so my motivation was to keep the storage unit high people in there so I could live and I wanted to make sure I had a place so he said okay let's do that so that first month I didn't get any paycheck I had nothing because I had to see what I made you know and I remember that we had $50 in our account but we had $55 in our checking account and I knew that we did not pay money on his last, my husband's last paycheck of 500. And so I thought to myself, do I pay that $50? Cause honestly, I can't live off $50 for a month, but man, it's scary when you have 55 and you got two little babies. And I said, Lord, I'm paying the 50, but I don't know how I'm supposed to survive for the next month. And um, so I paid the 50 and I like handed it so reverently with both hands to the bishop. And I was like, this is the widow's mic. <laughs> In my head, I'm thinking this. And I'm just like, here's my tithing. And um, the next morning I was in, I was just mowing our front lawn. And I hit a patch of grass. You know, when you hit a patch of loose grass, it goes flying in the air. Well, when it was flying in the air, a piece of paper hit my face. And I was like, what in the world? And I picked up this piece of paper. And I immediately recognized it. It was a paycheck, a paper paycheck from my job in California over two and a half years ago. What? It was a check for $500. Oh my gosh. I was like, what the? There was no time in my life I would not have cashed a $500 check. I just wouldn't have. We had moved three different states at this time. So I immediately called the bank 
and um, that issued it. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is from the state of California. And this was at a time where we didn't put a limit on cashing it. <laughs> it didn't say 90 days, 120 days. I, we didn't even trust the car. We got in the double stroller and we went right to the bank. And we cashed that check and put it in my account. And it lasted us till the next month. Oh, so I know, right? So I have been a single parent. It is hard, but I have been so, so blessed. The Lord has taken care of me and he has helped me take care of those girls. And so it is hard, but there is so many blessings that I've received. Like those are miracles. And um, I have been taken care of. I also have to say that I have felt my grandparents with me so many times. Um, both, I'll tell you, both my mom's side, my dad's side, and my dad's foster parents. I have felt them in my life when I need it. Um, I have a funny story. My dad's foster dad was a farmer. My dad grew up, his foster family was from Clinton, Utah, Roy, Utah. And uh, my grandpa had a big farm there. He he grew the sweetest corn ever. And I we were in Orem at this time, me and my little girls. And we had the most pitiful garden. There was a farmer who lived behind us. And he said, I could use that land and plant me a garden. So I did. And my corn was so beaten up. It was not looking good. And I was in there and I just said, how, what do I need to do to this corn? This corn looks pitiful. And then I felt my grandpa and he said, yes, it does. It looks bad. <laughs> and I was like, grandpa, what am I supposed to do? How do I fix the corn? And um, he said, go around the back and lift up that leaf and tell me what you see. I saw a huge grasshopper and he was munching away. And I, I was like, I didn't literally did not have money for pesticides. I was in school and working, plus raising my kids. I didn't have time to go and pick out every little cute grasshopper. You know, I was just like, okay, so I now I know the problem, but I still don't have a way to fix it. So I, I was like, well, what do I do? And he said, let your chickens out every evening. And so I did. I let them out every evening. They went straight to the garden and they started eating all those bugs every day. And then we would put them back in the coop. And um, there was, when times were lean, there was times where we could eat all off our garden. We had all the vegetables and the, and the, and the eggs and we were happy and full and had good food and we didn't really have to pay for any of that but it's blessings like that where i would say my grandparents have been helping me raise these kids um certain times if maybe i'm overwhelmed or certain times if i am just too tired i will feel them saying yeah I should get up you can do it we can we can finish this let's let's do it together so yes it's been hard but i have been blessed and supported along the way and that has only increased my testimony of family and eternity it's only increased my testimony of how important it is to raise my kids in the gospel um 
their dad and I are still not on great terms, but I've had the blessing of forgiving him completely. So I can say I love him and I want the best for him, which is a freedom for me. I've, I've forgiven him to the point that when we do see each other, which isn't often, he is so still so mad at me. I forget. I want to go up and be like, hey, Joseph. Then I'm like, I see his face. And I was like, oh, yeah, you hate me. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> You're still processing. <laughs> but I have that has been lifted from me. And it is a blessing because it would have been so much harder to live with that madness and that blame and things that happen in a divorce weighing me down. Um, and that, again, I feel like is a huge blessing. But it also can help me with my kids where I can say, honestly, if you pray for those who are your enemy, you you can have a change of heart. They still get their agency, but you can have a change of heart and you can love them again. If you do what they say in the scriptures, pray for those who despitefully use you or hate you, right? That can happen. You can be lifted from that and you can live your life free of that kind of burden. And it does feel like a burden when you're in that much anger. Um, but uh, even if it's deserved or if it's not deserved, either way, it's just how you feel. You can be lifted from that, but only through Christ and our Heavenly Father taking that on. Um, but, but anyways, so yes, life has been hard, but I've been very supported and very blessed. Would I like to win the lottery? Yes. <laughs> Should I have maybe picked... Should I maybe have picked a major where I could get paid more than a teacher? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But honestly, that's a blessing too, because I have my summers off with my girls and I'm off every time they're off. So that in itself has been a blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, I have one final question for you. What what does it mean to you to know that you belong to the tribe of Israel? Oh. I I I feel like it's um a mantle I need to carry whether I do that gracefully or not gracefully or do it fervently or not but I feel like I need to be aware of all the blessings that come with that and I need to step into that and be that whatever it is for you and your personality that's what you need to do um and that will look different for everyone. But when I think of of the blessings and stewardship that comes with that, it is a mantle that we need to try to carry the best way possible. Thank you. Thank you, Jolene. I, I have learned so many good things about you. And now I just think you're so great. I've always thought you're so great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So my, my, my children, two of my children are practicing songs for the primary program and they are doing the Articles of Faith. And I got a text today from my friend who is one of the primary choristers and she's like, so Quentin's having a hard time in, in uh, singing time because he's missed a couple Sundays and doesn't know the words to the Articles of Faith songs. I'm like, oh, fail, Andrea, that's a fail. 
And so I was listening to them today in the van on the way to and from school to pick him up. And I don't love articles of faith music, but I love the articles of faith. I love that they have so much punch in them. So many things that are so, so profound regarding our religion. And I love that. I'm grateful for the Articles of Faith. I'm grateful for Joseph Smith and that he was inspired to write them the way that he did because they have been meaningful ever since. They're so great. Like each one of them is just separately so important to me. I guess my challenge for you today is to review the Articles of Faith because maybe it's been a while since you looked at them. Maybe it's been a while since you thought about them, but it's always worthwhile. And also, I noticed that last week I didn't say my whole farewell. So here it is for you special today in case you did catch that last week. Um, I hope you have a super wonderful, awesome day. Tribe of Testimonies is not sponsored by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music is a traditional hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, arranged and performed by Kyle Forsyth. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear how this podcast is affecting you. And I'm always looking for guests. If you or someone you know would be a great guest, you can reach me at tribeoftestimonies at gmail.com.